Hey, Sugar Blossoms. So I know I told you guys I was going to tell you the rest of the bunny story this week, but I'm sorry. That's actually going to be next week because I have a story for you that happened to me last night. So it's fresh in my head and it is amazing and I can't wait to tell you guys about it. So we're going to do that story while it's like fresh and we're going to hold off on the bunny story and I'll finish it for you next week. I promise this time. So last night, I was on my way back from a sugar daddy trip. So I'm getting on my plane, making my way down the aisle, and I see my row, and there's this really fucking cute chick in the middle. I'm kind of like looking at the row, looking at her, and she like kind of points to the window seat, and I nod, so she knows I'm, I'm about there. And instead of getting up and moving to the aisle so that way I can get to my seat, you know, like normal... She pulls her legs up and curls into a little ball. (laughs) And she's like, you can go in. (sighs) Okay, sugar blossoms. (laughs) I would not have done this with anyone else. I'd been like, no, fucker, get up. (laughs) What the fuck? But she was so cute. She, like, got herself out of the way or whatever. I had my backpack on. I'm like, oh, this is not good. But I, like, scoot past her, bumping into her and shit, falling into my seat. (laughs) I'm like, all right, all right, I got this. So I crack a couple jokes, laugh it off a little bit, and we start talking. She's really cool. We're having a full-on conversation. And then the aisle seat person gets to their spot, and he sits down, and he is hot as fuck. So this is a plane coming out of Florida with a bunch of old people on it. And somehow, like, everybody in our age group got seated together. How does that work? I don't know. It's so rare to be flying and get seated next to somebody that is A, attractive, and B, somebody you want to talk to, and see somebody you can actually talk to, you know? And I'm not the kind of, kind of person who usually makes friends on planes anyway. I like to put my earbuds in, chill, get to where I'm going, right? But this is just different. It's just, it's just hitting me different. I'm really enjoying this. So I plan on getting their names and their numbers by the end of the flight, right? Because they're cool. So then the plane's like taxiing, la-di-da-di-da, do-do-do-do-do. The pilot puts the throttle all the way forward, and we start takeoff. Right before we hit airspeed and lift off, the plane starts breaking hard as fuck. Aborted that takeoff, pilot comes on the air. This is your captain speaking. Obviously, we did not take off. Looks like we have a faulty airspeed indicator. Never in my life have I thought that I would hear the pilot of my plane come on the speakers in that tone of voice. Never did I want to hear that. But thankfully, everything is fine. We never took off. Nothing bad happened. We just aborted that takeoff. They took us back to the gate, deplaned us. All hell breaks loose. Oof. There are people on the phone angry. There are people. There's a line of like the entire plane through through the airport nobody's happy right now the workers aren't happy the people aren't happy everybody nobody knows what's going on we're like fuck that so we just go chill and talk and figure this stuff out on our own make a few phone calls grab our hotel vouchers without dealing with all the angry floridans so they're sending us to our first destination that night and they're putting us up in hotels unfortunately the girl got a different hotel So we finally, so we spend that entire time, it was like three or four hours, just hanging out with each other, having a good time, 
Everything in this airport was fucking closed. There was a vending machine and that's it. Like a water bottle or some fucking tea or some soda. That's all our options. There were no restaurants. There were no bars. There were no shops. And there were no vendors open for the four hours we were there. And I was so hungry. It was not even funny. And the flight was two hours once we finally left. So I hadn't eaten. I planned on eating in between flights and I started to get real hangry. So we started planning like once we get there, we'll drop our stuff off at the hotel and then we'll go get some food, get some drinks and party because (laughs) we deserved it. (laughs) So we make that plan. We get on the plane. We finally make it there, but it's like 1130 at night and I don't blame her, but she, she bails on our plans. So now it's just down to the guy and me, which is totally fine. We got to the hotel He came down to my room and we hunted and we hunted and nowhere was open except for delivery. That was fine because they delivered booze. (laughs) So we ordered some drinks, we ordered some food, we watched some TV and yeah girl, she makes this shit happen. (laughs) So during the night, typically when I'm having conversations with people that I'm comfortable with, they go to some weird places. And I totally fucking told him about sugar and he was chill. And he actually, he has had a sugar mama in LA. Super fucking rare. I think there was a little hyperbole going on when he was talking about it. But it sounded like a fucking sweet deal. So, connected on that front. But we were talking about it and I talked about, so I started to get into some of like the gritty stuff, you know. And the subject of being able to separate sex and intimacy mentally is this pretty big thing, right? Like a lot of people don't do that and they're the same thing. But you can just have a fully sexual experience without the intimacy or without that emotional connection. And vice versa, you can have an emotional intimate connection with somebody and no sex. So they're all different things. You combine them at will and learning how to control that and kind of separate that and compartmentalize and manipulate it into what you need and what you want is a really cool skill to have and it's a really valuable one and it's one you need to develop if you're ever going to do something like this so we were talking about that and he's like yeah no i could totally be a porn star it came out of fucking blue <laughs> but my mind okay so we're talking about actual shit but my mind obviously goes straight to dick size and i'm not gonna lie i was pretty into this and pretty curious like all night he was being really cute he's giving me lots of space we're in my room he like was trying to be all nice about it and shit (laughs) no 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 eventually i get him like his face and my tits and of course he targets the nipples and then he stops and i'm like (laughs) what funny story you can't stop now i'm just kidding but no, seriously. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm being such a tease. I'll stop. Are you serious right now? He's like, well, I don't have any condoms. <laughs> oh, honey. To think that I travel without condoms. To think I go anywhere without condoms. Whack. What are you smoking? So I prance on over. And I throw some at him. And um, I realized after a couple minutes that while I travel with condoms, maybe I should start traveling with magnums. (laughs) He was not kidding about the porn star thing. Not one bit. So size is totally overrated. I really actually want to talk about this for a second. I am a firm believer in that. Society has made size out to be a way bigger deal than it is. Super overrated. Unnecessary for great sex. However, there is something about 
a massive schlong that is so fucking just extra satisfying now it's difficult because when they're that big and you're me it depends on the girl too but you have to be very careful with positions but once you find one or two good ones <laughs> uh-huh all fucking night <laughs> it was it was a good time and i was very surprised because the odds the fucking odds of this story the amount of things that had to happen for everything to line up for me <laughs> sat next to them, crawl over this girl, because that started the conversation, and the aborted takeoff, the plane being too fucked up to fly, not being able to fix it quickly and get us back on in time, being in the same hotel as the guy, which, by the way, had she been in the same hotel, the story could potentially be way cooler. And then, the food thing, because, let's be honest, had we gone to a restaurant, had we gone and got those drinks, we would have been too fucking tired. It would not have led to that. So, all the restaurants being closed. So many moving pieces all lined up perfectly. Holy shit. And, and, that it ended up being somebody who's really hot, somebody with an amazing cock, somebody who knew how to use it, somebody who was fun, and we could laugh together and cuddle afterwards, and like, just an amazing connection. I don't know if I'm ever going to talk to this person again or see this person again. That's fine. This memory perfection. Pro tip to make all this happen for you. Always look good when you travel, especially when you fly. It makes you more inviting. It makes you have more credit. It makes people treat you with more respect. It makes you hotter. It makes you sexier. It makes you more confident. All these things line up. So you guys, you know what comes next, right? A pilot. I have to seduce a pilot. That's definitely what comes next. <laughs> All right, so that is that story. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about my trip. I'll try to go through that kind of quickly for you, but I, there, there are a couple points that I want to bring up about it. I do want to let you know about how it, how it all worked, and then we're going to get into some really deep shit. So I wanted to kind of spend a little bit more time this week on the intro and on some fun stuff because it's about to get really heavy and really deep, and I don't want to over-focus on that too much. So that was on my way back from a sugar daddy trip down to florida west palm beach area is where he just moved to so this sugar daddy i actually met in california and then we only were able to hang out once before i had to leave and like shit went down with coronavirus and i never heard from him and so like that was fine that's cool like that happens all the time but we had a really good time he took me on a ride on his motorcycle and we just got along and so out of the blue he texts me <laughs> i just get a text on my app and i'm like oh geez who could this be he tells me hey no no it's it's me i'm the one you took a ride on the motorcycle with and i'm like oh shit hey what's up and he just moved to florida and he had some time and he's like you should come visit and so i'm like hell yes I'll come visit and he bought me a plane ticket and I flew down there and oh my goodness he had a beautiful waterfront house and it was just on like a river so it was about 45 minutes to an hour to get to open ocean but it will take the boat out for a couple days go see go to some nice secluded beaches amazing did some snorkeling gotta swim with manatees gotta do some scuba diving so this particular one is into scuba diving and that's one of the things that we really connected about and that was really really awesome and that kind of leads me into the thing that I want to talk about which is the sexual and the financial side of this trip right because that's probably everything that you guys are interested in actually curious in not just me talking about everything I did down there so before I went we were not we hadn't been sexual at all so we only like really met one time and we got we got along really well together as friends 
And so I wasn't sure what to expect, but he's not the kind of person that I would ever assume would expect it even at the, at the very least. And I was, I was dead on right. I'm really good at judging these kind of people at this point, but, um, I had my, my choice of like rooms in the house. I chose to stay with him for various reasons, mostly because he was paying for the trip. I got the kind of, I got a very slight vibe of that's what he wanted, but he did hide it well. He did give me the whole tour and offer me, I could stay wherever I wanted. So I was not pressured at, at one bit, but that's something you have to keep in mind on these trips. And that's a topic I'm about to kind of go into really quickly in a minute. So then, so the sexual side going into it was non-existent. We really do get a, get along really well as platonic and we just hang out. However, when I was there, we were pretty drunk one night and got a little sexual and it was very, very much um, consensual and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, we didn't even have penetrative sex. We just kind of did oral for each other and we were joking about it the whole time. Like, cra- not joking about it, but cracking jokes with each other, you know, in a really healthy friend way. And it was never, it was never weird, never really. It was just very casual, which was super nice. And uh, I got a hella good massage out of it he gave me a full body massage which I needed so going back to what I was saying you have to keep in mind on these kind of trips that you are still there for them and I don't like to use the word performing but there's still a little bit of that that's going on you know just considering that there are reasons that they have you there right they like their ego stroked. They like being listened to. They like having somebody make them feel desired, those kind of things. And that's what you're there for. And you have to make sure that you're constantly on your game for it. You can't be hangry and bitchy because you're just grouchy. Like, you have to kind of overcome that while you're there and while they're either paying you or spoiling you or whatever. And it's exhausting. <laughs> so I'm recording this like literally I got home maybe two hours ago so I'm still very exhausted from this trip exhausted mentally exhausted physically and exhausted emotionally it takes a lot out of you and so that's something to really keep in mind if you're interested in this kind of stuff is that it's really exhausting I mean it looks very awesome like the trips all that kind of stuff it looks amazing don't get me wrong it is amazing you get tons of awesome experiences like I gotta go scuba diving for free. I gotta go snorkeling with manatees for free. I got boat rides. I got good food, all the alcohol I could want. I got the plane tickets. I got the whole trip. But it's kind of, it's not a vacation with your friends. You're still exerting yourself and you can't let go entirely. So you can't, so depending on your relationship with them, like when I was in New York, I I didn't feel as drained as a trip like this or a trip with somebody that I'm not as close to. I was very close to the person I was in New York City with. I'm not as close with this one and so it's a lot more draining. Is that still worth it? I, in my mind, I'm so fucking lootly. But it's definitely something to keep in mind. It's very, very, very draining to be putting out this kind of energy and this kind of exertion for another person and it's and that's why you get comp that's why they spoil you that's why you get compensated so in this particular case I did not get an allowance it's just the um the trip basically and that is perfectly fine I generally don't follow that kind of model but I do with this one because we get along as friends so much there's zero expectations and 
uh, the scuba diving. We really connect on the scuba diving and that's the most important thing for me. So that is the rundown on my trip to Florida. It was a fantastic time. I made a bunch of friends while traveling (laughs) and I could not have asked for a better like half week. It was incredible and now I am back to normal life and planning my next trip. (laughs) Yeah, just you wait. It's going to be amazing. I'm really excited for that one as well. But all right, without further ado, the rest of this is going to be pretty dark and pretty deep. I had a request for bad experiences, specifically bad sugar experiences, but I'm going to kind of draw connections to sugar and non-sugar bad situations. So buckle up for a little bit of some heavy shit and then we will be back into some good stuff um, going forward. Oh, I love a good sugar pussy. (laughs) Trigger warning. You guys, I am about to talk about stuff um, that triggered me personally. Um, It triggered me because I was diving really deep into things, but um, just know I'm talking about sexual assault, sexual trauma, sexual pressure, coping mechanisms, all sorts of stuff. And I I get a little bit detailed. So this is your warning right now. If that's not something that you want to listen to, perfectly fine. I pretty much lasts the rest of this episode though. So I'm telling you now, just turn it off right now if, if you're not in a good place to handle it. There are resources in the description. And if you're leaving me now, thank you for being here. I will see you next week on episode six of Sugar Pussy. Everybody else, um, just know that this is about to be kind of heavy stuff, but it's really important that we share and people understand that this stuff happens all the time so that way we can talk about it more and grow as people and get past this stuff and, and make it less fucking common. All right, first of all, I'm going to say that this episode is going to be really hard for me to do. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to talk about things that I have gone through because I think that it will um, be really healthy for people. I'm going to talk about both sugar relationships and non-sugar relationships in these bad experiences and sexual assaults, rape, and trauma because I think it's important not to make it seem like like these things don't happen outside of putting myself in these situations where they are possibly more likely. Um, These things happen. They happen to a lot of people and they are things that you can be aware of and you can somewhat attempt to protect yourself from. So we're going to get into that kind of stuff in both sugar and non-sugar. So outside of sugar, I was in a relationship for two years, a year of which was pressured consent. Um, I spent a year, there was a, a sexual experience that kind of triggered this lack of sexuality within me that happened. Um, I didn't communicate with my partner through it and it led to me not wanting to be sexual for a little while. Well, he got very bored of no sex very quickly and it turned into a pressuring me until I say yes, even after I've said no for who knows how long. And then I would pretty much just lay there while he did his thing and then he'd be done. Um, Many times I would just be watching TV 
uh, crying or not crying depending on the pain or the emotional stress that the situation put me in. And so I stayed in that relationship for um, a year to a year and a half longer than I should have with that happening on a very consistent basis. Uh, For a long time, I refused to call it rape because he never would do it until he got me to say yes. Um, I think that's one way he dealt with the guilt of what he was doing to me because it was very obvious that the yes was just me being emotionally broken down. Um, And then obviously, I was not an active participant at all. I still struggle with that one a little bit. Obviously, it was a long period of my life, and that one was my boyfriend at the time. In college, I was sexually assaulted twice. Um, Both times were out at bars. One time I was little bit more drunk than the other and it was at a club and what happened was some guys bought me a shot of Patron and they thought that since they bought me a shot of Patron that gave them the right to kiss me and touch me even when I said no and was trying to push them away but what ended up happening was I was basically passed in between three different guys um, um, until I was able to get away and then I like ran to the bathroom and there were a couple girls in there who didn't let them chase me into the bathroom as they were trying to do. And that one happened on my 21st birthday, so that's a lovely memory for me to have. The other one was just playing pool with a friend. I wasn't even really drunk. I think I had like a beer and a half maybe. And I was wearing high-waisted jeans and a a crop top shirt and no I'm not I'm not here blaming what I was wearing at all but it is relevant because the conversation with the man who um, inappropriately groped me started because of what I was wearing Um, he approached me and he's like telling me how it's not fair for women to dress like I was dressed and expect not to be touched and I um schooled him right then and there Um, but then he came up behind me as I was doing a shot on the pool table and groped me and unfortunately I didn't really do anything I just kind of was shocked and then we left (laughs) so those were my two um, sexual assault experiences so those are all situations where it has been entirely outside of sugar and it's happened to me and it's important to realize that these things happen to everybody um it's actually pretty horrible to think about every 92 seconds an american is sexually assaulted more than one in three women and nearly one in four men have experienced sexual violence involving physical contact at some point in their lives so it happens to everyone it happens to men it happens to women so there are a couple things that I want to mention to be aware of it um some some really good things to keep in mind if you're going out to bars like I was is to have somebody there who's not drinking to watch your back I really wish um I'd had that I'd really really have liked somebody to be able to stand up for me especially on my birthday because my two friends I was with I trust them they would have helped me out but they were too drunk So easy thing to do is just have somebody go out with you who's not drinking to be there and check in on you and to watch your back. Don't accept open drinks from people, from other people ever. Um, That's a good way to be (laughs) drugged. Now, bad sugar baby experiences. My first 
sugar experience actually was pretty bad. It um, kind of got to me a little bit. I actually met this person in public and we got along, but I had no idea what I was looking for. I didn't know the kind of connection I was looking for. And I didn't know what was going to happen when I met with him and um, quote unquote intimacy was going to happen because that's what everybody likes to call it. So we met, we got along. He was nice. He's always been nice. When I got to the hotel with him, it went a lot further than I wanted it to go. First sexual experience with him. He had me restrained and he went a lot rougher than I wanted. And, you know, it just was not a pleasant time. It wasn't a pleasant experience. And any time I wanted it to back off or stop, he would for a moment and then it would get bad again. And the the scene, the the sex that was happening just kind of continued, continued on. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't listened to very well. Beyond that, most of the time, the bad experiences, and I would consider this a bad experience, is just when it lasts too long. The sexual time lasts too long and I've fallen out of it. I'm not turned on or interested in being sexual anymore, and they are. It's not that I'm to the point of wanting or needing to stop, and I don't express wanting or needing to stop, but it's unpleasant, especially when you're not attracted to them, or you feel a pressure to keep going, such as the allowance, the spoiling goes, you are there for them. So while it not, you might not mentally be to the point of needing to stop, you kind of want to stop, and yet you keep going. And that doesn't always sit well. Sometimes you regret making that decision. Sometimes it's a hard decision to make, but it's one to be aware of. Generally, sugar baby experiences that go bad are pressured consent, too rough, or past what you have agreed upon and consented to, ignoring safe words, ignoring retracted consent. Commonly, though, it's more often to be a lack of respect, especially if you disappoint them, if you're not willing to do something that they want to do. They lose all sort of appearance of respect for you as a human being, um, and then a lot of times that can be what leads to some of those more dangerous scenarios. Sex-obsessed is one that happens a lot, and this isn't quite as obvious to think about when you're thinking about sexual assault and sexual trauma, but some of them can be so hyper-focused on the sex that they don't care about you and anything else that you provide. And I don't really consider that proper sugar dating. Sugar dating is dating. You're, you're there for the person. You're not just there for sex. That's an entirely different thing. And when they're that laser-focused in on the sex, it can become dehumanizing. And as somebody who is in the game for the whole experience, somebody who wants that relationship, it's demeaning and dehumanizing and it's not fun and you're not mentally prepared for an experience like that and it can honestly really mentally get to you. And so that one is far more common than it should be. It's one that you can compartmentalize a little bit, um, mentally prepare for a little bit, but that doesn't really make it better. And so those are the main ones and avoiding, avoiding these things with sugar most of the time comes down to being picky, not promising anything, anything sexual until you have a strong relationship with them and 
honestly listening to your gut. Don't be swayed by spoiling, swayed by money. Listen to your gut if there are red flags. It comes back to being aware, doing your research, and being picky, looking out for yourself. If something feels sketchy, if they don't want to meet in public, or they're coming up with excuses, if their excuses aren't lining up with each other, if they're being back and forth, or their moods are changing, a big one is, is really look for any, any sign of irritation or annoyance when you say no. If you end up having to reschedule, how do they react to that situation? How do they react to you saying you will not meet them until you've met in a public place? Big things to take away are be picky. Monitor how they respond to things that they don't like, their moods and their attitude and how they treat you. Meet them in person. Trust your gut. Those are going to be the best ways to stay safe. A lot of people are going to nag you and be very rude and disrespectful over texting, over those kind of communications, and that can get to you as well. That's part of the reason that you don't give them your real number. You give them a fake number, and it's a lot easier to get rid of them. It's a lot easier to block them, report them on the app when you don't give them your real name, your real number, that kind of stuff. So that's a good way to protect yourself even before you even enter the physical aspect of any of it. Okay, that's about all I can do on this kind of stuff. So I'm going to talk about coping. Coping with these things, sugar, not sugar, doesn't really matter. Coping with anything traumatic, assault, rape is very difficult for anyone and everyone. It's a very difficult thing. What I'm about to say, how I've done it, is not going to work for everybody, and I highly recommend professional help. But I do want to talk about how I have coped with it and my experience of getting past these things just because I think it, it could be helpful to hear somebody else's experience and somebody who has gotten to the point where these things happened to me. I feel as though I'm in a really healthy place mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, and I was not. I have not always been in a healthy place, and I know the difference, and I feel the difference, and I know the steps that worked for me. So yeah, my coping skills. And the road was not, <laughs> was not pleasant. I will never forget the first time I realized I hadn't gotten over it, and I was still dealing with a lot of this stuff. I was dating a guy who was really, really great, and we were having sex, and it this was pretty recent after, like, this was the first guy I had seriously dated since um, the relationship I told you about with the year and a half of pressured rape, um, basically. And it was hurting, and I felt confident enough in that moment to tell him to stop. And he stopped. And never before had I ever told somebody to stop. And I had them stop so suddenly and worry about me. And I broke into tears. I That's the only time I've cried after sex. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't due to the pain. It wasn't due to the sex. It was due to feeling listened to. And that was the first step in one of the major things that works for me in being over and being healthy after going through these different things that I've gone through, which by no means does it encompass what other people have gone through, but it's just my experience. Writing writing about things has really helped me. Listening to music has really helped me. But mostly it's a process I've learned to take myself through mentally that's gotten me past things. And what I do is 
I stop and I think through the situation and everything that happened and I think about my relationship to that person. So if I'm thinking about something that happened to me from somebody I know or was involved with and I had a bigger connection with, I think about that. Or I think about the people who I didn't know, the strangers. I consider that relationship there. That's a really important thing for me to consider for some reason. And then I think through why it's causing the emotions that it's causing me. So was it not being listened to? Was it the physical force? Um, Was it the sense of helplessness, etc.? And then I accept those feelings. Like I accept if I felt helpless. I don't like feeling helpless. I don't like feeling out of control. I don't like admitting I was helpless in a situation. But you have to you have to admit it to yourself that those are very real and you're experiencing them and that it wasn't your fault and that it's okay to embrace the situation. The shame was always a big part for me and after accepting that it wasn't my fault, I was able to think about it in the light that that having shame over other people's cruelty and selfishness isn't worth my time. They're not worth me feeling bad about myself. Um, And the last step, which is the biggest step for me, um, is to feel control again. So for me, actually, and this is different for everybody, I want to keep stressing that because what works for me doesn't work for others. And when I first got out of that relationship, sorry I'm all over the place, but I want to mention really quick, when I first got out of that relationship with the year and a half long um, raping that was going on, I did not want to have sex again. I wanted to be done. I hadn't liked it in a long time. I hadn't wanted it in a long time. I didn't, I wasn't touching myself regularly. I did not have a healthy relationship to it at all. And I just, I wanted to set that part of me aside but I had an awesome friend come pick me up and she was like no you have to get back out there soon or this isn't gonna be a phase this is literally how you're gonna be and she she really believed that I just needed to go have good consensual sex after that that relationship and honestly she was right she knew me well enough to know that that's what I needed and I will be forever grateful for that um, because she helped me find somebody I was obviously not in the dating game. <laughs> so she helped set me up with somebody and that broke the spell, let me tell you. And now you have this sexual freak that I am now. So what worked for me won't work for others. You have to go about it in your own way and at your own pace and figure it out for yourself. That's just what works for me. And it's continued to work. So taking control for me um, came through consensual sex mostly. Being able to decide how far it's going to go, what I want, how I want it, uh, feel my partner respond and listen to me and stop if need be, huge. Uh, Feeling the power that I have giving pleasure um, and watching that manifest on somebody else really powerful feeling. All of those things, just taking control back and feeling respected again are big, huge things for me. And honestly, good sugar experiences have also been a major stepping stone for me. Um, I'm kind of a narcissist on a, on a level, on a certain level. I am, I'll admit that. Because getting paid for being me for someone has 
seriously lifted me up for using the skills I've developed. So being likable, it's not easy. And being likable on the scale of being able to go on a trip with somebody and maintain that for a couple of days, like I was talking about earlier, it's not easy. There's skills that you have to develop and learn and like practice. Being able to use those skills and being paid for them and spoiled for being like who I am with just those like practiced skills I've developed is extremely empowering and super, super beautiful to me. And it's helped me a lot. So I've said it a couple times. I'm going to say it again. Everyone has different ways of dealing with this stuff. Everyone has different paths and time frames and every stage is okay. Every step towards overcoming trauma is a win. And so you guys, I'm going to put some resources in the description and in the posts that I make with this episode, I'm going to have the hotline and I'm going to have some other good resources that I have found and read through. And I think you'll find to be helpful. Um, We talked about a lot of pretty dark, dark stuff. All right, you guys, I know this episode was kind of deep and kind of difficult. It was very difficult to record. Uh, Like I've said already, Hopefully there's some good value within it, um, and it wasn't just me talking to a microphone about my issues. That's not my goal here. My goal is to really share my experiences and share what I've learned through my experiences and to kind of provide, like, a reference point, what what you're going to get into, um, what kind of things to look out for and how to protect yourself and what kind of to arm yourself with. Being aware of it before you get in those situations can help a lot. So hopefully this was helpful and hopefully bringing these topics up and getting through them hopefully we can kind of let them rest for a long time now and we don't have to dig into this stuff again Um, but it is really important to be aware of and to consider and um, to help our fellow people who are dealing with this kind of stuff um, and be there for them and provide resources for them and help for them and to support them because it's not it's not a fun time next week I will finish the bunny story, I promise. I just wanted to get you the story of last night because it's fresh in my head and I am still blown away that that happened. It was awesome story, awesome experience. I've got a lot more of those to tell you. So stick around, see me next week and the following week and so on and so forth. Let me know what you guys want to see. Uh, don't forget, I'm on social media. On, I'm on Instagram at sugarpuss pod twitter at sugar Puss pod and my name is ellie ray and i am your host for sugar pussy i will see you next week for episode six Oh, I love a good sugar pussy. (laughs)